Welcome, Rink Rats. It is Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast episode 56, the Gus Bus episode. <laughs> Brought to you by the Overtime Media Podcast Network. Your sport, your team, and your time. And we're also brought to you by our founding sponsors at puckhockey.com, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Get over there, get yourself some rink wear over by there. Uh, use the discount code the rink, T-H-E-R-I-N-K, uh, to get a little money off on your order. Um, someone's buzzing. Uh, anyway, today is Thursday, August 1st, 2019. And I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. Y'all need to take a hit at this, Jeffrey. It'll calm you down. And I am joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, Mr. John Jekyll. Hockey is right around the corner, my friend. <laughs> yeah, right around the corner. Just a, a mere few, a few mere two months away. Ah. Uh, well, and uh, we are also joined by our Rockford Ice Hogs correspondent, Mr. Mario Tarabasi. Hello, Mario. Hey, what's up, guys? Boop, 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 boop. Boop, 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 There you go. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Yeah, there it is. And we also <laughs> have, from smoky Denver, Colorado, Mr. Aaron Goldschmidt, our NCAA guy. Hello, Aaron. Zach Smith equals more grit. <laughs> oh, M O A R grit. More grit, just what we need. So, um, together, all of us, we are your most trusted source today. Your favorite online hangout at the-rink.com. Uh, all that being uh, said, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we convened to talk about the Blackhawks. Uh, a couple things happened. Nothing out of the you know nothing extraordinary, unless you consider the Artem Anisimov for Zach Smith trade, that mind blowing. But uh, nah, nah. So you know a couple little things happened. We figured we'd get together. We kind of uh, had let uh, Mario and uh, Aaron talk a little bit about uh, what happened at prospect camp. Uh, not that there's really much, but the fan convention was this past weekend, and. Uh, so, and a couple other uh, things here and there. So, anyway, um, let's get right into the, the the first thing at hand that we missed that happened right after we recorded last. Uh, Artem Anisimov was traded to Ottawa for Zach Smith. John, what is the deep analysis we have here? Oh, well, I will say this. I, I don't think it was just sort of a, here, take Anisimov, give us whatever you got. I, I do know for a fact that going back a few years, the Hawks have had interest in Zach Smith. Now, um, there is evidence to suggest that Smith is not quite the player he was two to three years ago, that perhaps he's lost a half a step. And and uh, so we'll see. I mean, one thing it's, that's a couple things that are nice about Zach Smith is that he is a tough to play against guy, um, lower line guy. He can also win faceoffs. And that in addition to signing Ryan Carpenter, will help the Blackhawks in certain situations. And that's probably a good thing. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think the Hawks got any tremendous value back for Anisimov, but they, uh, as I recall, the terms of the deal and his salary, they, they, the Hawks lose a fairly significant cap hit with that move. And um, I think it was like a million too. Yeah. 
So that's, you know, that's, I, I think it's a house cleaning move. And I think, you know, they may get some value from Smith in terms of what he can do in the lower lines and on the penalty kill. Um, so, and, and I think we were all kind of ready for, for Anisimov to be gone. It was just kind of, um, the feeling, general feeling was, is that he wasn't, he was sort of a, a man without a position in some ways, number one. And number two, um, you know, that he was, you know, being fa- paid fairly well. And I don't think anybody was really blown away by what he, what he's given the last couple of years, even though one of those years he had, I think 26 goals. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the the Anisimov uh, getting moved was like one of the worst kept secrets ever. <laughs> it had been yeah. going on for uh, the last, you know, twenty four uh, months or so. So uh, yeah, I, I, how about you, Aaron? What did you think? Uh, you know, my feelings on this are, I think Stan Bo jumped the gun on signing a second line center when he got his hands on Anisimov and got really excited and gave him a long-term deal before we really found out how it would fit with the club. So um, I think it was kind of coming. He didn't really play with the same speed and puck possession that the Hawks like to play with. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're just going in a different direction. It's good that they got um, some bottom six uh, in the return. But, yeah, just clear some space. And, you know, I think they got lucky with Dylan Strom too. So we'll see how that goes. Mario, you have anything more to add? Um, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's 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 been said. He's he's a depth signing. Um, you know, you, you save some money on an Isimov, and um, you know, Chicago did get some some decent production out of an Isimov when he was paired with uh, Patrick Kane and Artemi Panarin, but obviously, um, they weren't going to continue. Well. First off, they don't have Panarin anymore, um, so you take that factor out of it. And they were going to continue to put Anisimov with Kane, um, especially once uh, Dylan Strom came into the mix and basically solidified himself as the, the number two center on the team. So um, I think with with Smith, you get a guy that you know is is versatile, can play center and wing, um, like JJ said, can can win some faceoffs, and you know uh, provide you a little bit of lineup versatility and a physical presence that although, you know, Anisimov was a bigger guy, he wasn't um, the kind of physical player that, uh, uh, that Smith is. So, um, you know, it saves you money and you don't, I don't think you're going to really lose a whole lot um, by losing Anisimov. No, not at all. And uh... so my fear on Smith and, and I'm, I'm, I want to like what, what Bowman's done this summer with Smith and Shaw and Carpenter. Um, and I, I want to like it and feel like it's, it's what the Hawks were missing. And there's, there's certainly an, an on paper argument that that's, that that's the case, that they were really a very easy team to play against the last couple of years, maybe even the last three years um, and bringing these guys. But I, I just worry, I worry a little bit that it's, it's like this year's version of Lance Bowman, Scotty, Aaron, Tommy, Lewis, you know, um, Aaron's going to love and, that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was for Aaron. I was going to bring um, up Lance Boma, but, and Gordy Clifton too. Gordy Clifton is yeah. the world's biggest Lance Boma fan. Yeah. Um, so, but, but I, I worry a little bit that, that, you know, signing all these, you know, bottom six guys with more grit, M O A R 
um, is going to kind of come up snake eyes for Bowman. Um, but we'll see. I mean, because I, I, you know, I'm not as down on the Shaw trade as you were, Gate. And, um, you know, Carpenter's a guy that that I think other teams were interested in um, in free agency. I mean, he wasn't, you know, bit up sky high, but I, I do think that there were some other teams that had some interest. I think the fact that the Hawks were willing to give him three years was one of the reasons that he accepted that he took the offer in Chicago. So um, I'm not I'm not going to be too terribly down on it. I, I, but I again, I'm just a little worried that when because Bo, Bowman's done this in the past, he's gone out in the summer. And he's like wanted to, you know get tougher to play against and he'll get these guys and bring them in. And then, you know, Lance Bowman's I think playing in Slovakia or something right now. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, um, but, but again, I just don't feel like he's given up that much um, for any of these guys, really. I mean, I think Shaw was what a second and a third, eh, you know, I mean, who knows second and third round picks more often than not don't pan out anyway. So, um, and that's true. I mean, people may, may not like to hear that, but it's true. Um, generally speaking, they don't, you know, the odds are that those guys are not going to always pan out or not pan out at a high percentage. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll see with Smith. <laughs> Aaron's going to be all offended. First, you're bringing up Lance Bowman, then you're knocking down second round picks uh, like Ian Mitchell. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not knocking down Ian Mitchell. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm not kidding. knocking down Ian I know, It's I'm early kidding. in the podcast, boys. It's early. I'll get my piece. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll drop. Don't make me open up a can of Adam Birdie on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Settle down. Um, all right. I think it's, I think we beat that into the ground anyway. Um, so let's take a quick break. We'll pay all the bills. We'll come right back. And we got a lot of good stuff on prospect camp and things like that. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. All right, and we're back. So, uh, just the uh, f- a few weeks ago, uh, Aaron Mario actually Mario spent uh, the whole week there, and he did a great job uh, covering the camp. Um, but on Friday, uh, Aaron flew in, and uh, Mario and I and Sean, we all uh, went to prospect camp and uh, saw the prospect camp game. But Mario actually had a much longer look at all these guys from the um, from the week. So uh, anyway, I kind of wanted uh, Mario to come on and uh, sum up what he thought with Prospect Camp because he spent most of the time there and he did such a great job. I'd like to give him his voice here on the podcast to talk about it. So Mario, t- tell us a little bit about what you thought of Prospect Camp. Yeah. Um, first off, a uh, big shout out to um, the Chicago Blackhawks for uh, allowing me to go to camp and, and get the access that um, they were willing to give me. Uh, I was able to basically do everything that a normal member of the media did, talk with uh, players and talked with um, Sam Bowman and Jeremy Colleton and um yeah, it was it was it was awesome uh, to have that experience and 
to, um, you know, hopefully be able to work with, uh, with the Blackhawks <clears throat> moving forward. Um, that would be fantastic. But yeah, again, thanks to them for, uh, allowing me to, to, to be out there. Um, prospect camp was, was, was good. Um, I think people found out that it was at the, uh, uh, now named fifth third bank arena. Uh, I think it, it took, it took a year to for people to figure out that it wasn't at Johnny's anymore. Uh, turnout was a <laughs> lot better this year than last year. So yeah. props to the fan fans for that. Um, the, the biggest thing that stood out to me <clears throat> throughout the entire week was um, just that Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist are uh, leaps and bounds the best two prospects in the system uh, that the Blackhawks have. Um, this was Boquist's second camp. Um, I know last year, you know, he looked pretty good. Obviously, with with anyone. Um, coming into their first camp, there are some, you know, getting to know the other players in the system, getting used to, to playing with those guys, a lot of them for the first time. Uh, and for a guy like Boquist, you know, coming over from, from Sweden and, you know, getting used to, uh, you know, everything that goes along with getting used to the North American game, getting used to a new city in Chicago and everything like that. Um, there could be, you know, some, some transition and growing pains, but, uh, this time around, his second time around in, in prospect camp, he looked so much better, um, so much more confident, so much more comfortable um, on the ice. And, you know, it, it really <laughs> translated um, his co- his confidence off the ice translated on the ice. He he was seemed so much more, um, you know, smooth with his with his skating, with handling the puck. Obviously, I mean, you guys were there. Uh, on Friday for the scrimmage. Um, you know, it's one thing to look really good in drills uh, against, you know, teammates and no physical pressure. It's another thing to look good in a more simulated scrimmage um, setting. And he definitely uh, owned the, the uh, scrimmage setting on Friday. And, um, you know, the same thing then can be said for Kirby Doc. Uh, you know, a little bit, <clears throat> a little bit less of an extreme um, and getting, getting used to being in a new, uh, a new area, a new city. I mean, obviously, you know, coming from, you know, already living in, in Canada and, um, being used to playing on North American ice, things like that. Um, that transition is not as, not as tough for him, but, uh, you know, he took over the camp, uh, in, in different ways, uh, especially during the scrimmage. Um, he just looked much better than anyone else. Uh, he, he and Boquist just looked leaps and bounds better than anyone on the ice. Um, the thing that stood out to me most about Doc was that for a kid his size, um, he was fast and agile. Agile, And um, I think that that was something that was obviously a, a bit of a question mark to kind of see, you know, where, where, where's, where's he at uh, physically? Um, you know, he's just, just 18 years old, um, has time to still physically mature, but already at six foot, close to 200 pounds. Um, you know, he's, he's a, he's a big kid. He's, um, really good, really quick with his feet, uh, which is, which is really, um, impressive to see for a kid of, of his age and his size. So, 
so much so, at least in, in, in my view, that, um, you know, and we can maybe get into this a little bit later, but so much so <clears throat> that I would be a bit surprised, and I, I know we talked about it in the chat, I'd be a bit surprised if he didn't play the full year this year with the Blackhawks. Um, I would bet my house he's going to get at least the nine-game tryout, but uh, I would be surprised if he didn't get the extended full-season look just because he he looks ready to play at a, at, at, at a high pace. Um, and phys- his physical gifts, you know, with the puck and – um, his skating ability, I feel like he'd be able to to translate pretty well to the pro game early on. Obviously, it's up to the Blackhawks what they ultimately want to do. But if it were up to me, I would I would give him the extended look. Um, other than that, I mean, th- those two guys obviously were the, were the big standouts. Um, Alexander Alexander Nylander was another guy that a lot of people were going to be focusing on, uh, given the uh, Henry Yokiharu trade. Uh, that happened the week before camp. Um, Nylander looked, you know, he showed off his skills Monday through Thursday. Um, you know, I, I I couldn't disagree with the sentiment that he looked like he shouldn't be there in prospect camp, meaning that he, as far as skills go, um, was one of the best, uh, if not the best at times. Um when it came to Friday's scrimmage, um, you know, it maybe the narrative coming out of the, the, the Buffalo organization once uh, once that trade went down of you know Nealander's inconsistent. You know, we don't know if he's if he's got the drive or you know if, if he's got it mentally um, to to want to be in the NHL and rather than feel like he should be already in the NHL. Um, I don't know. Maybe that kind of started to, to, to creep out a little bit. It looked like he wasn't fully engaged in the scrimmage. Um, and again, you know, it's it's a simulated game situation. It's not, uh, you know, you're, you're playing against guys that are teammates. No one's really hitting anybody. But <clears throat> um, one thing that, you know, Jeremy Colleton and, and Stan Bowman talked about during camp what they wanted to see out of players was their commitment level uh, in camp, their commitment level to, to being engaged in the process, to trying to absorb everything, to try and, you know, learn a lot about what it takes to, you know, be in the NHL, be, you know, playing at the pro level. And with that sentiment and, and from, from what I observed from Neilander on Friday, um, you know, it was, maybe a, a bit of a disconnect. So, um, like I said, physically, uh, and, and skill wise, he's, he's got it. It's just, um, I think it's going to be a matter of if he can do it consistently and if he can, um, you know, really be the player that the team needs him to be. And if he's committed to doing that. Yeah. Um, but he, but he did look really good, uh, in, in camp, um, skill wise, uh, definitely can't, can't knock him from there. Yeah, um, it was just yeah. That was kind of more and, of the effort, more of the effort yeah. he was giving uh, when when it really came down to it. Right. So, yeah. Right. And and the, the overreaching thing I can because I, I mean I don't want to go into all forty three guys that were at camp, but um the the overreaching thing that that I observed, even just from last year's camp to this year's camp, um the increased depth 
that the team now has in their farm system. I feel like <clears throat> I feel like each guy from the 2019 draft class that was at uh, camp this year, I think all of them were there. Um, they they all stood out in one way or the other, um, top to bottom. Obviously, Doc, like I said, uh, was was one of the best in camp. Alex Vlasic, second round pick. Uh, was was impressive. Another another guy whose skating is the question because his size is already there. Um, his skating looked decent. Uh, you know, uh, even Dominic Bassey, the the goaltender that they picked in the second round. Um, you know, he he looks like a project, but he actually, you know, he's not. Uh, from from my un, uneducated eyes, as far as goaltending goes, um, he didn't look like he's too far off from from being at a point where it's like okay like this guy looks like he's ready to make the jump to you know major junior or or to college i i I think it's Colorado college is where he's going to end up going eventually um but it just just the organizational depth that uh chicago has now this year i i really feel like it was one of the more skilled camps that i can remember um seeing and so i think that that just bodes well for uh, for the team as a whole, top to bottom, mm-hmm. and uh, I think this is the point where I can maybe plug the uh, the prospect piece that we're working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Of, it's a collaborative effort um, coming out later this month. Um, I know everybody loves to list the prospects. Okay. You know, <laughs> hashtag top, lists, top, more lists. Yeah, top top to bottom, one through fifty or whatever. Um, <laughs> that's a flawed system. Uh, so what, what we've kind of compiled is a tier system, um, kind of, uh, you know, figuring top tier guys from the rest of the group. And, uh, like I said, it's collaborative effort. Um, Aaron and I have worked on it. Uh, Eric Andrews has worked on it as well. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's one of our prospect guys, uh, Juliana, we brought on recently um she's been involved with it ron and ray uh also um stepping in and 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 you know putting in their 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 two cents and um you know i i think we we have a pretty good idea of where uh every every player in the system kind of fits um we have an idea of where they might project out within the the blackhawk system and um you know, there was a little bit of uh, pride swallowing to come to a consensus on some <laughs> players, but uh, um, I think the the overreaching uh, consensus was that there's a lot of um, decent to good prospects within the system. So I, I think that that bodes well for Chicago moving forward. And um, yeah, I'll I'll turn the floor back over to the to the rest of you guys. Well, for those keeping score at home, I'm going to interject very quickly. Juliana Nikach, Ron Luce, and Ray Napientek. Those are the uh, the rink writers who uh, Mario <laughs> mentioned as as uh, helping out with the pro- uh, prospect uh, piece. And I, for one, am really looking forward to reading it. And I'll turn it back over to uh, Aaron. I think you you you've got some input here. Yeah, I did go uh, on Friday, and I just wanted to thank everybody that followed along with us on Twitter um, and followed Mario all week. It was uh, a tremendous week for the rink and um, we had a lot of fun too. So thank you everybody for 
contributing and watching some of our videos. And we had a lot of content out that week and hopefully that's not going to stop. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I kind of want to start with a few guys that did not play, uh, that did not have on ice drills. Uh, Mario's boy, Tim Soderlund, uh, Evan Barrett, uh, Mario's boy. There, <laughs> you had to say Mario's boy. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Nicholas Norgren. Um, and then Jake Wise was also kind of redshirted. Um, these were guys that I was really looking forward to seeing. Uh, Jake Wise had a lot of injuries at BU, and there just haven't been a lot of tape on him. So I was disappointed that he wasn't playing. And Evan Barrett also had a great year in college last year with Penn State. So um, it sucks that he wasn't on the ice um, for the camp in the scrimmage. But he was. I think Mario found out he was getting over uh, a shoulder injury. So um, hopefully we'll get to see more of those guys this year. But yeah, I think overall my thoughts were it was prospect camp was just a lot more entertaining. You could tell that they have some guys that can play um, and they have some guys that are going to play in the NHL. It's just a matter of time. And it's just it's just been a while since we've been able to see that. So it's definitely an exciting time to see Fox uh, fans like digging through a lot of these prospects. You know, we've been covering these guys for a few years and it's nice seeing an Ian Mitchell come to his third prospect camp and really have a strong, strong camp. I mean, you could really tell the decision-making and some of these guys is improved and physically they're bigger and more mature. And, um, you know, the, tur- the turnovers weren't as crazy as they've been to me. Um, but as you know, some of the new guys had some turnovers, but, um, yeah, I, I was intrigued and, you know, we had a lot of fun. The, the defense, the guys that with Boquist and uh, even Chad, Chris Mitchell uh, and Vlasic. I mean, there's, there are guys on in the system that are, that we're going to see pretty soon. And and there are a few other guys on the roster. Like I really love Josiah Slavin, um, Brandon Hagel, AKA coffee meets bagel, copyright Mario <laughs> Tarapasi. Coffee meets Hagel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there are some guys that really stuck out. Um, and yeah, it's just, we're not used to this type of, uh, excitement and exposure, but, uh, I'll pass it over to gate to see what he thought. Yeah. I mean, you guys pretty much nailed it all. Uh, Mario, a little more thorough than we do because he was there all week and he got to see it, you know, a much bigger sample size, but, um, someone who, uh, kind of won me over a little bit and I wasn't very high on was uh Bowden. Um, yeah. I like the way in the scrimmage that he played with Boquist. He uh, he kind of was like that yin to the yang, that like, you know, Keith to Seabrook kind of thing. Not really as physical as Seabrook, but kind of responsible, more of like a Mark Edward Vlasic kind of guy. but um, Or a Jelmerson maybe. But um, he wasn't like really offensively jumping into the play, but his coverage uh, was real solid in his own end, so... You know, I'm a lot higher on him now than I w- would have been before because, you know, I he was just, you know, I seemed like a guy, he seemed like he was going to be what Yoki Haru ended up being, which is that defenseman that they trade away and we never see, you know, what could have come from him. So that was my only thing that I would have added to that, though. But, I mean, it was, you know, it was fun. It was a good time. It was entertaining. We got to see Bocas, you know, pull some uh, circus moves and, you know, against... Uh, Jake Ryzak was it? <laughs> no, that was that was Kirby Doc did that to him. Yeah, yeah. So 
Boquist had the move on Josh S. <clears throat> there yeah. we go. There we go. Yeah. So, you know, we got to see some stuff, some highlight reel stuff. And, you know, it'll be a video that we'll dig up three years down the road. Just, you know, remember this. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, John, you have anything you wanted to add about the? Uh... I don't. I I wasn't there, yeah. but uh, you know, I you were. Uh, you were there. You were there in spirit, John. I was there in spirit. <laughs> I wanted to send you guys a cardboard cutout just just to uh, to really <laughs> aggravate some people and make some other people go, "What the hell?" But no. Uh, but so uh, Mario's comment on uh, Doc playing in Chicago. I mean, that uh, narrative has been getting some lift of late, and you know, I am notorious for being one of those guys who says don't rush them to the NHL don't be a meatball all that all that said you know I, I do think that there's some ample or certainly emerging evidence that this is a going to be a special player and you know he is you know somewhat somewhat fully grown I mean certainly height wise he is and and uh, I think he is uh, uh, scraping a little bit over 200 pounds at six foot five and, you know, he can certainly skate and, uh, you know, very responsible player, very heady player, a lot of skill. So, you know, I, but here's the thing I suspect is that if he does play the year in Chicago, unless he's just really that remarkable of a prospect, I have a suspicion they'll probably play him at right wing a lot. And, uh, you know, it, it, they've been auditioning guys on the right wing with uh, Taves and, and Saad ever since Hosa, you know, uh, went on LTIR and then, and then Arizona, although not really. Um, but um, that's, that would be an interesting place to try him. I mean, with Taves and Saad, you know, two, two fairly skilled players. And uh, you know, if doc can play, you know, sort of that, that uh, offensive zone cycle game a little bit with, with, which with his size, he ought to be able to do. And he's certainly got the skill and the, and the hands to do that. I think that could be interesting to see how that works. I mean, cause what it's going to come down to is, is, it, it, not only is he good enough and mature enough to play in the NHL, but do they have a position for him? Because there's not much point in playing him as a fourth line right wing. That's, that's not the role he's going to play in the NHL. And he's better off getting big minutes in Saskatoon, you know, as the best player on that team and playing center, which will be his NHL position, than, than just being, you know, penciled in as the 13th or 14th forward or the 12th forward. Um, you know, just because it makes the meatballs happy. And again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really crapping on the narrative, so to speak, because like I said, he, he may in fact be that good, but you know, the, the, again, do they have a position for him or, you know, that he can fill that makes sense for him in terms of his development? I think that's going to be the big question because his skill more and more, it seems, you know, again, although, you know, these, these recent tournament highlights, Remember, he's playing against 18, 19-year-olds. It's not quite like playing in the NHL against, you know, fully grown men. So we'll just have to see. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, meatballs will keep meatballing. So. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to, to that point, um, you know, play. You know, if you you play him with with Saad and Taze, um, on a right wing position. Obviously, that you put him with two of the more uh, skilled guys. Yeah. Um, you get him two of the more obviously the more veteran guys on the team. Um, yeah, I, that's that's definitely an option. I think. Um, what I think what that speaks to 
is the overreaching just versatility that the lineup has uh, now compared to what it did last year. Um, it's it's something that I think Stan Bowman and Jeremy Carlton both wanted to get out of this offseason is to, you know, try and, and bring in guys that could be fluid in the lineup. And, you know, you could obviously, you know, it's no secret that lines and combinations um, change throughout the course of a game. Um, and, you know, the guys you line up at the first puck drop usually aren't the same guys that, that finish the game together. But, you know, from a night-to-night matchup standpoint, they can, you know, they can move guys around. I, I think, you know, if they play Doc, they can they can have that option. They have that option with a guy like Andrew Shaw. Brandon Saad moves around the lineup. Drake Kajula moves around the lineup. Um, you know, if Dominic Kubalik is going to be uh, everything that he's, he's, you know, billed to be right now, he's a guy that they can move around the lineup. Um, David Camp, uh, Ryan Carpenter, all these guys can move, move around the lineup, play multiple positions and, and, you know, give, give the Blackhawks a, a lot of different looks. So, um, I think just even, even the reason or even the fact that we're, you can entertain throwing doc in there either, you know, is he a third line center? Is he a third line wing? Is he a first line wing? I think just even being able to entertain that idea without it being so static and like, well, he has to play this position or he can't play at all, I think is going to bode well for the team moving forward. Right. Yeah. I just, as far as his playing wing, I, again, um, the, the demands of playing center in the NHL are, are, are that much higher. So wing, you know, and it's not like he would, if he stuck for the year, it's not like he never would play center, but I have a feeling that they might try him on a wing and, and uh, you know, there is there's really always that that right wing position open in the top six. Kane's one of them, but mm-hmm. there seems like you know it's like um, uh, what's his name, Kajula, or you know um, God knows who else. You know they've tried there, so I mean I could see it. And and you're right. I mean they they, they are going to have more flexibility, move guys around, but at some point you know they're going to have to kind of settle in on who the the twelve to thirteen best forwards are and and have some. And I think have some line combinations with chemistry if, if assuming they're going to, you know, be a playoff team this year, which I don't think is uh, guaranteed, you know, so it could, it could be another year of feeling out and growing and perhaps, you know, perhaps he, uh, Doc can be part of that this year. Yeah, that's, that's going to be something we're going to talk about a little bit, a little bit later, a question that Pappy sent in. So about where, where they could possibly, uh, yeah. you know, finish, but uh Yeah. Uh, it, 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 we're going to see a lot more of this when the Traverse city thing happens. Uh, is doc playing? I think doc's playing in that. Um, I would expect him to. Yeah. 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 So that's when you're going to really start hearing it. I think, uh, I, it, it was quite, I, to me, it was more of a quiet murmur in the background, but, um, I, you know, I did he- definitely hear it and read it, but I will say this just to, Sorry to jump in. No. Um, with the the summer showcase that's been going on um, the last few weeks here, or last few days, um, the word out of Team Canada and Team Sweden is that they're both not expecting Kirby Doc or Adam Boquist to be available for the World Junior Championships in December and January. 
Um, so oh, that's that's, that, that's the scuttlebutt going around that's right now. So Ooh, I mean, breaking. make yeah, make <laughs> make of that what you will. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. if because Henry Henry Yokiharu was playing with the Blackhawks and they said, yeah, go for it. Um, so make make of that what you will. But that's that's the understanding that that I have from what I've heard um, throughout this this summer showcase that's going on. Wow, I, I don't even have a breaking news uh, soundbite or anything for that. <laughs> Just got to be nailed it. <laughs> that's all I got for you. <laughs> Oh yeah, that that would be interesting. Uh, yeah, it, there's it, it's interesting how full how full that team is, and if they're gonna you know if Boquist and or Doc were both in the mix, I don't know. Anyway, well, Boquist, I mean, he's he, obviously they he, they took a long look at him last year uh, in training camp, and yeah. ended up, you know, obviously sending him to to London. But um, I I really think that that was the plan all along, even though they said it was otherwise. I really think yeah that, yeah that was the for plan sure. all along for sure. But, um, but I, I I think with uh the the injury um to to Calvin DeHaan that he's you know he says he's gonna be ready right when the season starts. Um, you know his timetable kind of bumps up right to the beginning of the season, so you know we'll we'll see what happens with that. But I mean if if there's a chance that he's not ready to go, um. You know, is it, you know, the Blackhawks are kind of given, given an option of like, well, do you, do you take in, you know, Slater Cuckoo and Carl Dahlstrom into the starting lineup? Or, you know, can you send one of those two down to Rockford and say, you know, give, give Boquist an opportunity at the beginning of the year um, for some NHL time? You know, that, that, that could be in play as well. Yeah, well, I, I I think it's a given at this point that he's gonna. This is gonna be his first year of his uh, entry level, because uh, oh, first sure. yeah, there's no no way he goes back to London, right? So yeah. one way or the other, I think we can touch on this again when we get to Pappy's right. question because yeah. I think that that leads right into this idea of young young guys getting significant ice time with the yeah. Hawks. So I'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, well. Also, um, what happened like this past weekend is the fan convention. I don't really have much. I just wanted to bring up that it happened. Uh, I don't have much to report on. I mean, there was no nothing new and really super exciting that uh, I saw that happened. Um, I don't know if you guys heard anything, but it was just the normal fluff. And uh, well, somebody's going Hulk smash. I know <laughs> Hulk smash. <laughs> but uh, it's there, and he's still pissed about Lance Ball. It's not. Uh, what was there? I'm sorry. Uh, was there no, no, noise going on in the background? <laughs> my, yeah. Sorry, I had to take out my headphones real quick. My dog uh, snuck into the room, so I had to get him out before he started whining. All right, we're a dog-friendly podcast now. Apologies for that. No. Tim Sutherland. Trust me. <laughs> this is named Tim. So, yeah, my dog's name is Sodi. <laughs> there you go. Well, I have to apologize, too, because you could probably hear my dogs clopping around in the background and there's cicadas outside, <laughs> even though the windows are shut. It's just ridiculousness. But uh, anyway, everyone's got their own little problem tonight here on our podcast. It's ambient noise. They were like the land of the broken toys or whatever. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, fan convention again. Uh, you guys didn't hear or see anything there? 
I didn't go. No, I just mean like uh, just any scuttle, anything that was talked about, like any big developments, people saying things that uh, were crazy. I will say one thing that I, you know, generally speaking, I, I hold my nose, you know, before I read anything of a fan convention, it's just not my kind of thing. But, um, you know, I thought one of the things in one of the uh, roundtables that had Colton made a comment that, uh, um, you know, the, the way the team was constructed last year, that it was not a team that was going to do much in the playoffs. And I thought that was really interesting because that kind of echoes something that Bowman said on draft night, you know, when he took Doc. And, you know, why they like Doc. And I, I, I have to say, I find that really encouraging coming from both of them. First of all, it says that they're both on the same page about what was wrong with the roster. Um, and, you know, hopefully they're right now. Um, but just the fact that they're on the same page, because I think for many years, there was evidence that Q and Bowman were not on the same page. And um, especially the last few years, that was a bad thing. So that's good. But secondarily i mean i do because we've been saying it and i think we were right also that it wasn't a team that was going to ever do anything in the playoffs because um you know it, it was a team that was really good at you know winning three on three games in february but but not a team that was constructed for you know the grind and the slog that the playoffs are and um i, I i'm encouraged by that i'm encouraged by the fact that they that they are serious about getting back to the playoffs and once they do um, being the kind of team that's going to be really tough to play against and will advance in the playoffs. So I was just one little nugget I pulled out of, you know, the many things I, I forced myself to read from the, from the fan convention that I thought was, was kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I was interesting to hear that about the, didn't think there would be much to, uh, they would do in the playoffs. That was an interesting comment. Yeah. Um, but it's true. So yeah. That's why it's interesting because it's true. We're we're used to yeah. hearing a bunch bunch of fluff and BS, but exactly that was uh, refreshing. So, yeah. Well, I was just, I was just going to say what what was evident throughout the playoffs. You know, you look at the two teams that were standing at the at the end of it. Those are, you know, big, physical, mm-hmm. tough to play against. You know, mm-hmm. it's not. You know your 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 depth your your non skill forwards are not guys who are just kind of there taking up a roster spot like they're there to play a role and um, right yeah I definitely I definitely feel like at least you know I know we'll touch on it more but at least on paper the the moves made this off season address finding guys who are going to provide some depth to the lineup that fill a role and aren't just you know guys that you're throwing in there yeah. Uh, well, um, so also right around the, the whole thing, um, with fan convention, uh, last week, uh, uh, Chris Kunitz announced he was going to be retiring from the NHL and he's going to take a position with the Blackhawks, um, as a player development advisor or something like that. Pretty much the same thing that, uh, um, Brian Campbell did last year. So he's kind of like being eased into the player development department. Uh, it's not a big deal, but it was something that was announced. So uh, Cooney. To bring it up. Yeah. I was, uh, Aaron was saying something earlier or not Aaron. Uh, Mario was saying something earlier about them, you know, making weird decisions in the off season last year or something. I was like, like shoehorning Chris Kunitz into the lineup. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So anyway, I don't want to, you know, 
I'm sorry. I don't want to sit here and stop on the guy's grave, but, um, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal. I mean, everyone knew he was going to probably retire and it's nice to see him with the organization. He's staying in Chicago where his wife's from and, and that whole thing. And he, and he was, he was sitting up, you know, where the, where the coaches and the front office sit there, um, during uh prospect camp he was up there you know with those guys so it was it was kind of in the you know in the writing was on the wall that he was going to be uh he was going to end up doing something with the team yeah i think was it was our was it our boy charlie uh that that snapped the picture of him up there yeah yeah he got that on like monday i think he saw saw him right away yeah yeah so oh. he, he got it he got the scoop on that one <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was like uh, the, the year before when uh, Colleton was out there for like prospect camp. Like you never saw the head coach from Rockford come into running prospect camp. So yeah, he ran. Weird. He ran yeah. camp last year. Yeah, and that that's what's funny is like in in three summers that he's been with the organization, he's been uh, like a side coach, ran camp, and now like sitting in the big seat uh, up up top above everybody. Um, I mean, next year is going to be which, GM. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, he'll be coaching GM. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, but so, well, yeah. So that's that. Um, congrats to Kunitz <laughs> on his retirement and his career and and all that good stuff. Very distinguished career. Yeah, yeah. He he earned that, you know, with the with the cups and everything and uh, that long cool. career. I, mean, I didn't realize. I don't want to get this. I don't want this to turn into Chris Kunitz fact night, but. I didn't realize that like he didn't make the NHL till he was like almost twenty seven or something, and uh, he had as good a career really? as he did. Yeah, he was like twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, he played a lot in the minors. He's you know, and he played four years in college too, I think. And uh, so he was hey, he was very highly respected among the players, and and that usually there's usually a good reason for that. So yeah, you know, our experience with him in Chicago was really, you know, when he was running on fumes. Um, so, I mean, but yeah, he had many productive years in the NHL and was a, was a kind of a glue player and a good player on, uh, you know, some of the teams he was on. So does anyone know where he, where he went to college? Oh, oh crap. Sh- I saw it today. Um, <laughs> oh, geez. I don't remember. I, I do you- know. I do know just because I pulled up his page. <laughs> <laughs> where is that? Give us the answer. Mario. Ferris state. Ferris. The Bulldogs. Yeah. yeah. Four years. Nailed it! Good job. Uh, the Chris Kunitz uh, hour here today on the uh, yeah. on the ringcast. So, all right. Well, that was that. Um, the other thing uh, I just want to mention a little bit because it's it's kind of being asked about in the uh, in the questions was the uh, the jersey leak thing. Mario, you brought this up a couple weeks ago. We kind of made a, a deal about Uh-oh. this the other day on Twitter, but. <laughs> I, I don't want to say, I, I'm not going to name names or anything like that. Um, when but, our own Eric Andrews went Hulk <laughs> smash on the Twitters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been obviously the, uh, what's, what's the account? I, I, aesthetics. Yeah. Aesthetics. Um, yeah. So they've, they've, um, they've been talking about, you know, the, the, the change that the Blackhawks have were going to be making, um, to the to the jerseys going into this upcoming year, uh, which is the, the the change of the collars. Um, couple, a couple weeks ago, uh, 
I, you know, I was kind of looking around and I was, I was surprised. I was just like, I was thinking, you know, they haven't released anything about it. And, you know, prospect camp was coming up and, uh, you know, the convention was coming up and for months, you know, since the season has been over, um, you know, Adidas jerseys have been, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60% off, um, of, of, you know, regular retail price. And, you know, I, I would have expected that they were going to unveil the jerseys at, uh, at the convention, the, the, the changes. Um, but they didn't, uh, what they did do was offer jerseys up to like, what was it like 75% off 80% off something like that, which is the Obviously, same. Yeah. It's the same thing they did a couple of years ago when, uh, I was buying jerseys for 30 bucks at, uh, the outlet mall out in Aurora, right. but yeah. Right. When they were changing over from Reebok to Adidas and they were mm-hmm. just, just clearing out their inventory. Um, so they're doing the same thing, but yeah, a couple weeks ago I had, I'd gone and, and looked at different, um, different retailing sites and I actually came across uh, a picture. It, it was a youth Jersey and yeah, I understand that sometimes youth jerseys are cut differently, but it was, um, it was a, a whatever you would call an authentic youth Jersey. And it had the, the, the change in the collar, um, where it, you know, it, it's the, the white, uh, on the home and the red on the away comes down to the, the crest right where, you know, your, your collarbone looks like a, looks like a, a, a priest collar, a pilgrim, pilgrim collar, whatever you want to call it. A toilet um, seat. <laughs> yeah. That's the current one. What, what they're, what they're going to do, um, from, from every, everything that I've seen and stuff I saw online is they're going to pull it back to basically the mid collar. So, um, I believe, uh, Montreal does it that way. I think Toronto does it that way. There's a, I think half the teams have it where it only goes to the, to the, you know, middle of the neck, not all the way around down around to the front. Um, is it any better? Not really, not really, but at least it's, it's different. Um, it looks like one of those pillows you take on a plane. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, at least they'll be comfortable when they travel. Uh, maybe they yeah, inflate. I, I, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they inflate. They just take a blow into the collar <laughs> and it inflates up. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks like the old timey, like 1980s, like football neck rolls that yeah. you would see guys wear. Yep. Yeah, like Thomas I, Sanders used to wear I, I yeah. actually used to wear one of those. Big, uh, yeah, neck roll exactly. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that, I mean, that's that's the change. Um, it's just a matter of time of when they're going to unveil it. I'm sure it'll be maybe the, um, the, tra- the fan festival that they do at the beginning of the training camp. That'll probably you be know, when they unveil it. This whole jersey redesign thing over the last few years, um, you know, when they went from the Reeboks to the Adidas, it just really illustrates. It's it's just not, it's another example of how completely unsavvy the NHL is from a, from a marketing perspective. It's just the whole thing is so misguided and stupid. You know, I mean, it's just you know, let's let's change the jerseys. You know, why? Because um, we just we can, and they, they create these stupid jerseys. And then they, they decide they want to go like halfway stupid in order to fix it. It's so dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, what, what I, when, when they announced the, you know, the, this changeover from Reebok to Adidas, what the first thing that 
I, you know, when I heard it and I was like, that is so dumb, is that Adidas was only going to be making the retail authentics and Fanatics was going to take over the rep- the replicas. And I'm like, so you have two different, you have two different companies making jerseys. Yeah. Like what sense does that make? It, it completely, it completely made the, the, dis- the, the difference between, you know, an authentic jersey and a replica that much more uh, visible and yeah. that much more different. Like, you know, the, the Reebok jerseys, like, you know, you have the authentic and it's like, oh, you know, and, and Eric's very nuanced in the, in, in the jerseys. Yeah, he um, sure is. <laughs> things like that. You know, it, it was like, you know, oh, well, if it's authentic, you know, it's, it's a, it's a stitched logo. It's the stitch numbers. It's, you know, it's got this green. But it was hard it, to tell from a distance. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But up close, you could be like, oh, well, that's a, that's a, you know, right. that's an iron on, Right. you know, logo or a crest and that's a stitched crest. But now with the fanatics and the Adidas, it's like, all you gotta do is look at the tag and you're like, well, that's a replica and that's authentic. And you know, it's, it's just so clearly defined as how different it is. And uh, yeah, it's just to your point, JJ, it's just the, the, the league when they have an opportunity to do something smart, right. a lot of times don't do that thing. <laughs> So it's it's very frustrating. Yeah. So you you mean Eric's going to tell us that uh, no one's going to want my Reebok Kubalik jersey that I'm going to put up on uh, on eBay or something? How? First off, <laughs> so many questions about that statement. How? <laughs> how in the world would that have would that come to be a thing in reality? <laughs> well, I I have a Nick Letty jersey. I think you're uh, confusing Kubalik with Yuri Sekach. <laughs> yeah, oh I have, God. I have a, uh, yeah, I have a, a Nick Letty jersey upstairs that I was going to switch the nameplate out to something else. That was my grand idea for a thirty dollars jersey, and uh, but uh, now it's Kubalik because he's going to be eight, I believe. That's what they announced. Is right he now. wearing? Is he wearing eight? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's wearing eight. So I said, somebody, at least I got no, somebody's this year. At least I got, but I, I will tell you, I am not changing my Runblad jersey. No, it's a collector's oh. item. <laughs> no, my Runblad staying. That was thirty dollars well spent. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wear that out someday, and and uh, like up in the three hundred level, and some meatball is going to be shouting about how how he was going to be the next great Duncan Keith. <laughs> He's got his name on the cup, doesn't he? Uh, yes, he does. I don't think so. Oh, I God. think he does. I think he does. Ugh. Didn't, yeah, because well, didn't, I think listed he listed him as he, a Stanley I, Cup winner, I guess, when he, oh, 2015, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think he suited up in the final. He, well, and he also did in the Western Conference final, too. I know he did. <laughs> Stanley yeah. Cup winner, David Runblad. Yeah. That's what I have. I got to get a patch on there, the Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> then it'll really be authentic. Oh, uh, anyway, down that rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, Kubalik number eight. <laughs> yeah, Aaron's I, uh, Aaron's tweeting at us or messaging at us about Sikach. <laughs> I did not think I would hear that name again. Yuri. They, there was a Yuri Sikach jersey when I was out at that thing. I was I thought about getting it. Remember that? Yeah, I love yeah. that There were a couple there that I really wanted. I was gonna get the Skidari one. Uh, Wasn't there a Ryan Garbutt too? Yeah, there was a Ryan Garbutt. Make it turn into a Larmer. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> the, or just uh, leave it Garbutt because <laughs> bla- a, a jersey with Garbutt oh. on it would be the best. 
I think you need to start a clothing line with all the uh, unforgettable jerseys. I think they're awesome, especially if you're gonna get one of me for thirty bucks. So all the one-offs, yeah. There's a. Uh, I know the Blackhawks store at the United Center is still trying to sell Hartman's, Hinostrozas. <laughs> uh, I think there's a Wingles still there and Anthony Duclair jerseys. Was that Hartman when he was uh, on the Dallas Stars? <laughs> Well, no, flooded with Anthony Duclair jerseys, all from different teams. Uh, <laughs> just want well, to you could Jubernet jersey. Well, you could get the Duclair jersey, and then switch out the nameplate with uh, Kajula, and there you go. Oh, Same number. Or you could switch out the crest for Blue Jackets, Coyotes, <laughs> Rangers. Eric is literally uh, Eric is literally Hulk smashing right now as he's listening to this, all this jersey talk. If don't don't demeanor cards or jerseys because Eric will get you about that. He is serious. So serious card collector, yeah. <laughs> yes, he is, for sure. So anyway, that's an, I guess that's enough of the jersey talk for tonight. Let's get into some questions real quick and then let's get out of here. Um, so like we were mentioning about Pappy uh, before, he said in a vacuum the Hawks have improved but when you look at the rest of the division's moves and the blues proving to be a force do you think they'll ever improve on last season's position in the central um that's a good question for sure um they might be a better team but they might be facing better competition so that (laughs) the result could be a little more interesting than uh one might have originally thought what do you think john well uh dallas loaded up St. Louis is a, is a very good team, very well coached team. Um, I mean, that's obvious. Um, uh, Winnipeg, you know, underperformed in the playoffs last year, but they're, I, you know, they may have taken a hit on their D losing Truba and we'll see what, what Pionk does or Pionk, whatever, whatever we want to call them. Um, you know, prospect um, camp, former blast, former Blackhawks prospect camp, uh, invite Pionk. Is that what you said before Aaron? That is that is correct. <laughs> yes, sorry, so, sorry for the late response there. No, Go ahead, John. Sorry. Um, so I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's quite possible that the team, you know, is not going to necessarily even crack the plus. I mean, I I really think with the with the depth of and the quality of the depth. I mean, Colorado, great team. Uh, Aaron, I didn't want you to go Hulk smash if I didn't mention Colorado. <laughs> Thank so, you. I mean, uh, Colorado. I mean, so Colorado improved dramatically. Dallas. It can be argued made made big improvements. St. Louis is already a really good team. Winnipeg is is already a really good team. So I mean, it's I mean up and down the division. I mean, there's it's just really hard to see how the Hawks finish in the top three in their division. So that pushes them into the wild card. Do they make it in the wild card? Well, we'll see. I mean, there's going to be good teams competing for the wild card. There's no question in the West, and. You know, the thing, so it goes back to the question. Just, I'll say this real quickly, and then I'll shut up. But, I mean, it, the, the question, so when you talk about Bolkvist making the team, I've been saying, I mean, I think that they should bite the bullet, plug him in, and if, if they really feel like this is the, the, the power play quarterback of the future, that gives them some flexibility to, to get something for Gustafson instead of extending him. Because I, I don't see how you can have Gustafson and uh, Bolkvist playing significant minutes on your defense and be a good playoff team. I don't, I don't see it. I mean, I think because a, a guy like you can have one of those guys and he can run your power play and he can be a guy that 
you know, you pair with a really strong, stable, steady defender. But but both of those guys, and God forbid, both of those guys on the ice at the same time, um, unless it's three on three. But I mean, it's, it's defensively, you're going to have problems. I mean, you're going to, a team with a real stiff physical forecheck is going to give those guys big problems if you ever have them playing together. So, I, I to me, I think the emergence of a Bokvist would give you the flexibility to deal Gustafson and maybe get good return from a team that that likes him and likes his style of play. I mean, you know, he's sort of a uh, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure kind of player, in my opinion. So then, you know, then you could you could maybe have Doc here for the year, um, and it's it really is more of a rebuild year. Although Bowman went out and he overturned a lot of the roster, brought in veteran players. So you, it also feels like at the same time they are trying to compete. But the question is, have they done enough in light of how good their division is to really compete? I'll leave it at that. But what we did learn this week is that Slater Cuckoo can play top pairing minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. And, and Gustafson's a legend. That's the other thing we learned this week. Yeah. And he should have won the Norris Trophy. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, as, I, as I looked up today, what was it? Uh, the expected goals against, he was third, or third, like at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, let's see Clay Bandow or CL Bandow uh, on Twitter. Hey, can I touch on that first question? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. Go ahead. So, uh, my thinking, the, the question was, are, are they going to improve from where they finished in the standings? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I want to say yes, I, but I, I think I can't because I think the Blackhawks got better. They added some depth to their defense, so they're not atrocious anymore, and I think that's going to help. But if you look around, like, look at Dallas. They added Joe Pavelski right, and right. Corey Perry to their team. Um, look at Nashville. They added Matt Duchesne. I know they moved on from Subban, but... Those Blackhawks they... should have signed that guy. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but I just think that... Maybe the Preds take a step back. Maybe the Jets take a step back. But I think everything's going to stay the same. Everybody kind of got a little bit better, and everybody else's prospects are coming up. I don't see this getting any different because Minnesota is the only dumpster fire in this division. Oh, God, are they? they (laughs) That's going to be the new marketing slogan. At least we're better than Minnesota. You know, you know what the the, the, the guys from uh, Ottawa are probably calling the people in Minnesota. They're like, "Thank you." <laughs> but yeah, I mean, with how much the Avalanche changed their team, I mean, I, I'm closest to what they've been doing. Um, they have guys coming up in the system that, oh, yeah. and that it's not just who they added with Kadri and Donskoy and uh, Burakovsky. It's they've got guys coming up. They have their top picks. Byram could compete to make the team. Kale McCarr is going to have a full year. Like, watch out. I, I love what the Blackhawks did, but this division is still ruthless, and I'm, I'm not sold that they're going to move out of sixth. And Colorado has good young players coming into their prime. Um, I mean, I, I just I, that's a team that you, everybody should keep an eye on this year. I think they're going to they're going to really make some noise this year. It, what is this? A preview of the Rink Colorado? Perhaps. 
No. <laughs> this was your Colorado Avalanche talk on this uh, week's <laughs> ringcast. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's move on to the next one because I don't want to be here all night. Um, <clears throat> Clay Bandow, did the fear of losing his job or having a different head coach influencing moves explain why Stan Bowman had a way, uh, way more active offseason uh, than last? Um, I mean, right off the bat, I'm going to say, I guess, yeah, <laughs> because, uh, I mean, he's made he's made different moves than he's made in the past. Something had to have changed because his style seems to have completely turned around to something like th- that resembles rational, for, for God's sake. <laughs> but, you know, something has changed. Something has ch- changed in his style. I don't know what it is. Maybe I... I I don't like hearing that, you know, Q was making him do this or do that. And then, and then he'd put those players out there, but maybe there was a little of that a little bit. I'm not going to say it was, you know, the major contributing factor, but I don't know. It was weird. It it was just weird how from like, no, as soon as Q walked out the door, things started turning around with, with Bowman's moves. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist or anything like that, but um, it was just weird how things turned around like that. So. What do you think, John, with the uh, Bowman thing? Uh, it's hard to say, um, but I, you know, I will say that I, and I've, I've, I've said this, um, I think maybe here on the podcast and, and elsewhere, that I think you know Bowman reminds me a little bit of Kenny Williams, who was the general manager of the White Sox, and for several years there was a belief <clears throat> that that Williams had been promoted to the position of GM because he was Jerry Reinsdorf's favorite, and that perhaps he wasn't really ready for the position. And then he was given kind of the luxury of learning on the job. And I, th- I think in some ways that could be said also of Stan Bowman. I mean, he inherited a generational collection of talent um, when he took over in 2009. And um, basically he, he had it on, you know, on autopilot when they won the cup in 2010. And you can give him some credit for 13 and 15, you know, filling in around the edges but then, you know, there were some disappointments other years where he, you have to give him a blame as well. And, and um, I, but I feel like that he, he's just been on a hot streak for over a year now. So I feel like that's a reflection of his maturing as a GM. And the, one of the things and I've always said this about GMs, all GMs make mistakes. The good ones correct them. You know, they don't double down on their bad moves. And he used to double down on his bad moves. And I feel like. There's a, there's an honesty in this organization now in the hockey op side where they're saying we've talked about earlier where they're recognizing we were not a team that was built to do anything in the playoffs. Yeah. And now they're fixing it. And they're addressing it. And that's encouraging because we're we're the people who have been looking at them and saying you're fooling you're fooling people with this soft perimeter team that you know looks great in 3 on 3 or wins shootouts but that that's not real hockey and it's not going to do shit for you in the playoffs. So you know, I, I think that whatever it is, I'm not sure what it is, but I feel like it's a maturity on his part. And I think it's, you know, there's people reach a point in, li- in their lives, especially when you're working for a meddlesome boss, which rumor has it he does, where you reach a point where you go, you know what, screw it. I'm going to do my job the way I think I should do it. I'm not going to apologize. And if it's not good enough, it's not good enough. And I almost I almost wonder if there's a little bit of that going on here. Hard to say, though. I mean, that's that's total we're going down the tinfoil hat, you know, trail yeah. there a little bit, but I, I just think, I just think whatever it is, there's a confidence with him now 
um, a sense of a, of a plan. Again, you can argue maybe he's trying to do two, two sort of conflicting agendas. One is retool with veterans. And the other one is rebuild with great young players. I don't know if you can do both and do them both well. We'll see. Yeah, well, it's. Well, I, I like that tweet today that we got with the uh, the gif about the heater. <laughs> you don't walk the table, yeah. you're on a heater. <laughs> right. That was a good one. I, I found that uh, pretty humorous. Um. <clears throat> so anyway, um, that's that on Stan Bowman. We uh, Mario, uh, you know, Aaron, anything quickly on that? Uh, I don't think. Yeah, I, I just yeah, I, I think um, you know, if if you read. Uh, uh, Scott Powers is a discussion with, with John McDonough. Um, you know, you, oh, yeah, we read it. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, 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 if you read Wait, that, wait, wait. Hold up. Um, hold up. Hold up. You keep using this word jabroni, and it's awesome. Okay, go ahead. Um, you you kind of you got the understanding from, from McDonough's standpoint that he uh, gives Bowman the space to do his job. Um, Finally. It, in, in his words. Yeah. And I, I think, I think they're, they deny it all the time. I think there was a bit of a, you know, tug of war between Bowman's moves and what Quenville wanted the team yeah. to be. Um, so I, I think, you know, you, you give, you give Stan Bowman the, the, the reins to fully be the GM to, to fully, you know, make the moves that, um, and not to say Jeremy Carlton doesn't have a, a say in what he wants to do with the team, but I think, you know, the the, the power dynamic when you have a, a coach like Quenville compared to a coach like Carlton who's coming in as his first head coaching job, um, I think Bowman now has 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 the space to kind of, like you said, uh, John, you know, to, to fix the things that have kind of happened in it, on the negative side of things with this team. So... Um, I think given that space to do, to do those things, I think is, is what Bowman needed. And so far on paper the moves have looked like the right way to go. So obviously we'll see how everything plays out once, you know, the, the season actually begins, but, um, it, it looks better than it did a couple months ago. Yeah. And I just want to quickly, before we move on, I want to address one thing about the, uh, conspiracy theorists that think uh the reason mark crawford was brought in was to look over colt no. calton's shoulder in case that um experiment goes bad that is not what's going on here so just relax all that and all that he was brought in just because he, they wanted an experience more another experienced guy on the staff that's all they needed so just leave it at that <clears throat> um boomer uh gwc on twitter he asked about the pilgrim collars uh we're not gonna get back into that um, you can see his tweet on, uh, you know, our reply on Twitter. If you want to see what he actually said, <laughs> Johnny Utah says, do you think Bowman tried to trade Gustafson this off season? Is Gustafson still a Blackhawk because nobody offered Bowman enough in return for a demon who hit the 60 point marker? Is there another move that needs to be made? Uh, and what move do you want to see? Wow. That's a lot from Johnny Utah. That was our, uh, wasn't that our Panarin truther? <laughs> yeah. I think it was. Um, I mean, I would, based on what Bowman's been doing, which seems to be making these smart moves, I'm going to go with, you know, he, he probably investigated it. Um, probably tried to see what he could get out of a guy that, you know, like you said, had 60 points and, 
you know, looks good on the highlight reel, but you know, let's not, let's not mention what happens, you know, in his own end. But, um, you know, I'm sure he probably investigated just to see what kind of, uh, bites he, he get or something like that. I, I'm sure he's doing it with like 90% of the players in the organization. So, uh, that wouldn't, you know, John, you said that all the time, you know, there's these for a million ones that oh. get out there, there's, or They're for everyone talking. that gets out there, there's a million ones that didn't get out there. Yeah, they're they're always talking, and you know I'm gonna be fair. I mean, I'm not a bull, I'm not a Gustafson fan. That's no secret. But there are knowledgeable hockey people who who like him and like his game. Now there are other knowledgeable hockey people who don't, and, and um, or they you know they 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 sort of take the more mature point of view that he's a guy who does some things very well, but does some other things very very poorly. My suspicion is is that they're waiting to see if or when Boakvist will will be on the scene and will take over the you know the rover power play quarterback role on the team. And at that point then they may decide that Gustafson's, Gustafson's expendable. Because I again I just don't know if you can have two of those guys in your in your six regular defensemen um you know on a on a regular basis. I don't know if you could have two guys like them who are that specialized. Now, Bokvist may end up being a better defender than Gustafson is. He may not, too. I mean, we don't know. So, But I, I feel like Gustafson's future with the Hawks is perhaps somewhat linked to Bokvist's future with the Hawks. Um, and I don't mean both of them being together. I think I think it, it's kind of a one versus the other thing. And I could be wrong, too. I mean, and they, and they may be envisioning having both of them. But you're going to see a lot of eight to six games that the Hawks may not win all of so <laughs> yeah you know yeah i i think you know you got it like i when i start seeing these articles like the that he uh you know he needs to be extended and start throwing out these numbers Jeez. and it's like oh my god please the guys had one complete year in the nhl and while i know that sounds good on the outside he, it took him till he was 27 years old to get that one year and he's NHL. not probably not going to get that much better as a defender no and I, and I doubt he can sustain that level of, you know, scoring. I don't think he's going to be another 60-point guy this year. I just don't. Uh, nothing, you know, he, he has some flashes here and there, but 60 points was like an anomaly. Like, Well, you know, it's interesting. So he, he had a period toward the end of the year where he did kind of tighten it up a little bit defensively, and he wasn't like just like this egregious ass clown in his own end. But – he also didn't score a lot during that time. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think Colin kind of got the reins on him a little bit and that's what it comes down to with him. Yeah. He'll get you 60 points because he's down below the other team's goal line all the time, you know? Yeah. Which is a lot like what Bolquist was in uh, prospect camp, but yeah. Well, that's just it. I mean, that is just it. I mean, and the hope is that Bolquist can be more like the quote unquote next Eric Carlson that they've advertised him as is a guy who can really learn positional playing his own end to a relative degree. And I, I, I actually think Carlson is a better defensive player than some people give yeah. him credit for. And he's yeah. definitely, definitely better than Gus. Yeah, and I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm slamming uh, Bogus. That was just a joke. There was no right. reason for him to be playing serious defense in that. Like, he was right. there to show off his, his skills. So I completely right. understand why he was kind of showboating out there. <clears throat> And well, I, and again, to, to, yeah. to the point you made earlier about, you know, Nicholas Bodin in, in, um, in prospect camp, you know, he was, <clears throat> he was covering for, for Boquist going mm-hmm. into the offensive zone and, 
you know, going in and making those plays, um, you know, stepping into the, you know, to the rush and everything, you know, Gustafson does that same thing. And the problem I think that the Blackhawks have with him is that they don't really have anybody that they can really rely on to cover the back end for when Gustafson goes into the offensive zone, because he's, he, he can't, when he goes in to the rush or goes in deep, he can't get back on his own and provide his own defensive coverage. And you, you, you have him in a top pairing with Duncan Keith, who's not the Duncan Keith he used to be. And is also a guy that will, you know, jump into the offensive zone from time to time. So when you have two defenders, paired up together as your, you know, quote unquote, two best options, you have them paired together and they, they have kind of similar mindsets. That's what happens. You know, you have two guys jump in deep, a bad turnover, and it's off to the races the other way. And you got no one back there to, to, right. to stop it. So, um, yeah, I, I think if they, if, if Chicago or another team had the right guy to pair with Gustafson, yeah, I mean, he could, he could be free to, to, to jump into the, to the offensive zone and, and do, you know, what his skill set allows him to do best. But especially, you know, you saw it last season with a team as inept defensively as Chicago was, you you really don't have the luxury of, of having a guy play that freewheeling style where he's not really concerned um, about covering his own his own back end See, defensively. Yeah. And the, the, that's interrupt here, Mario. But the, the the then the problem becomes when Bokvist arrives and he's here for good. Then you need two guys like that, unless Bokvist again becomes a much better defensive player than he's shown to this point, which is possible, and we hope right. so, because then we got a really special player. What uh, about Henry Yokihar? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and and too with and too with Gustafson, I think if they, you know, if he if he's on a similar pace this year, where you know he's putting up numbers, but he's still a turnstile defensively. Um, I think if if the, if the Blackhawks are in contention, they probably hold on to him, and right. you know, we'll we'll see what happens in, in right. the off season. But if they, you know, if they get into you know mid to late, you know mid mid February, and it's just you know they're sitting in in sixth or you know bottom of the division or something, and it's it's just not looking like it's going to work out. Yep, which is a possibility. They could yep. try and and deal them and get the most out of them, and yep. know that in the in the in the in the depth of their organization, they have a guy like Boquist or Bodan or Ian Mitchell that can, that can come in Correct. in the next, in the next year and fill a gap. Right. The Hawks have a couple of guys coming who are sort of of that ilk. I mean, Mitchell is kind of that, that kind of player too, mm-hmm. you know, and Mitchell is considered a really good prospect. I mean, and it is believed to have an NHL future. So again, I just, I wonder, I just wonder, I mean, everybody kind of takes for granted that, it's sort of like when people were assuming Schmaltz was going to get six years at six million a year, and then he was in Arizona. And I just, I just wonder if, if ultimately, Gustafson isn't going to be wearing another sweater by the end of the year, assuming that um, Bokvist at minimum is is looking like he's ready. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that he was just shooting high, you know, for anything. Um, but uh, you know, if, if that doesn't work, he, he still hangs on to a sixty point player. For at least you know, and at least until the trade deadline, kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. And even and and bringing up Ian Mitchell just real quick, um, you know the 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 
mindset around him seems to be that, you know, the, the Blackhawks want him, they want him to be a part of the organization now. Um, that was very evident during prospect camp. You know, the questions, the questions thrown at, at Mitchell and, and at Stan Bowman about Ian Mitchell and it, you know, is he committing to, to Denver? Is he, is he going to come over? You know, what, oh, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so while that was a, all a headache of having to do that, all, that all, it was you know, all made up. Around, yeah, it was all made up too. Anyway, yeah. well, yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah. He was, he was, he was, he was never going to leave. You know, he re, you know, reiterated it time and time again that you know he was committed to, to playing at Denver this season. Yep. Um, and but at the same time, he's also committed to signing with the Blackhawks. Um, you know, they the they do want him to. To, to come in as soon as possible. And I, I, you know, I think from, from what I saw in, in prospect camp and, you know, Aaron sees him all the time at, at Denver, you know, he looks like he's ready to make the jump. If not now, very, very, very soon. So, you know, that's, uh, that's something along with Boquist that's probably playing in, in the back of the minds of the front office when yep. it comes to extending a guy like Gustafson. Yep. I was going to say, Aaron, you, your voice sounds different. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! <laughs> yeah, well, I could have told you that Ian Mitchell was going to return for his junior season months ago. And you did. Yes, you did. Everybody wanted to write the narrative that he's going to sign. And that's well, just better be true. sick. Um, well, you better be sick, dead, or mute, A.A. Ron. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I honestly think that after watching two years of him play at Denver and getting to talk with him after games, he still has some room to grow. Uh, he, he looks more polished than he did a couple of years ago at prospect camp, but he's, he's gotten a lot bigger physically. Um, he's smarter. He's communicating more. Now he's a leader. I mean, there's a lot of Jonathan Taze and Ian Mitchell. And I know Jimmy Greenfield said he could see, uh, Ian Mitchell taking a leadership role in the Blackhawks one day as a hot take. But yeah, I, I think that there is more for him to do in college. Um, I think Denver is going to be a force. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, he said he wants to be the Hobie Baker win- award winner. He wants to win a national championship, but there's plenty more for him to do and plenty more for him to grow at Denver. So I, I just, there's no rush for him to be, you know, playing second, third line in Rockford. What's the point of that? I mean, he's the guy. He's the captain of the Pioneers. He's going to have a great season, and then he's going to go right to the NHL with the Blackhawks. So, <laughs> first pair. Year, so we'll see. Yeah, right to the first pair. Right to the first <laughs> pair. Wow. That was Ian Mitchell talk on this week's Ringcast, with brought to you by Aaron Goldschmidt. That was this recast, Ian Mitchell Corner, with Aaron, <laughs> with Aaron Goldschmidt. But joking, all joking aside, uh, I was very impressed with how confident he was out, out on the ice. He looks very confident, and he's been saying all the right things. He looks like he, he could really be something. So, I, you know, yeah, he's, we'll he, he sounds like a captain. That, I'll yeah, say does. that. He's got, he's got like this confident smirk on his face. It, it, he's got me. I'm in. I'm in on him. I mean, not that I wasn't before, but, you know, I'm in. Uh, Aaron sold me on him. So anyway, a um, couple more uh, questions. Uh, well, Sandra kind of asked about you know rookies making the uh, making the uh, the roster. I I don't think anyone will. Um, you know, it, 
Other than the, the aforementioned Docker Bolkris, maybe. Other than that, I can't really see much there. Uh, you know, I guess if you consider Kubalik, okay, Kubalik uh, might make the roster. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, um, I'd be more. I'd be more shocked if he did not make the roster. Kubalik. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think they got him kind of kind of uh, tentatively penciled into somewhere in the top nine. Um, so. Well, we'll see with him. Uh, well, you you could look for the, the jersey on uh, <laughs> on eBay, the uh, <laughs> the Reebok era uh, Kubalik jersey. Um, <laughs> shout out to Eric. So anyway, um, we we you know we kind of discussed that. We, um, the last one, um, Scott Venard uh, asked, is it possible you guys could give a reaction or opinion to the Seabrook article that has come out in the few, last few days uh, tonight? Um, I which, it was written which, by, which one? Uh, I think it's the one, or at least he uh, he linked the one that Scott Powers wrote about uh, Seabrook being kind of following up to this report that Seabrook, his contract is what you know, Don Lachishan over there who does all the advanced analytics stuff, or does some of the advanced analytics, not all of it, um, came up with something about you know the worst value contract in the NHL. Uh, and Seabrooks was voted by far the worst. Um, and how I mean, he, you don't need, you don't need fancy stats to to really come to that conclusion, though. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's a terrible contract. But uh, what can what can you do about it at this point in time? You just got to live with it. It you know each year that the the salary cap goes up, it gets a it hurts a little bit less. But um, I mean, it, hopefully that you know they do some kind of amnesty buyout or whatever with uh, the next CBA and um, maybe they have an inside track on that. I don't know. I'm not trying to be conspiracy theorists. I'm just trying to throw some ideas out there. Um, so maybe that they're going to take care of it that way. And they've planned that all along. I don't know. You know, uh, what do you think, John? Uh, I, you know, I, I adhere to, I think that they're hoping that they get an opportunity to do a compliance buyout and be done with it. Um, I, I, cause you know, there's all these uh, rumors, you know, or not even rumors. They're really speculation that they'll trade Seabrook or whatever or, buy, or even buy him out. And there's yeah. smart, smarter people than I <laughs> who understand the cap better than I, who's basically just destroyed that argument that apparently they can't even really do a, a traditional buyout with them and, and not just get, you know, killed by it. So like, like um, our friends at Buckpedia, we want to mention yep. our friends at Puckpedia pointed out about that. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I, I think it'll be some kind of a compliance buyout, you know, but man, yeah, that the, it's just, it's the term is so long and, yeah. and the money is so, and the other thing is, is they gave him a, you know, he, he, he has to do a limited mm -hmm. no trade con contract or excuse me, clause the last two years. And that's still pretty far away. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, yeah, the things in albatross. Yeah, it is. It it makes you wonder. It, yeah, that going back to like the that original question about you know Sam Bowman and what what made him change, and it makes it, it it's kind of head scratching when he makes a move like you know getting Dylan Strom, and then he but he also made that contract <laughs> offer to uh, you know Brent Seabrook. So it it is kind of polarizing in that manner. Yeah, the, the only thing I would say that mitigates that maybe is the fact that. You know, when it's that big of a money commitment, there's more people putting their thumbprint on it than just the GM. So who knows? I mean, I'm not giving Bowman a free pass on it by any means, but I suspect that there's there's a lot of fault to go 
go around on that. Kind oh of track. yeah, well yeah, for sure. Anyone involved in that, uh, yeah. you know, okaying yeah. that or rubber stamping that, um, needs to be held accountable for that one, including probably John McDonough, frankly. Yeah, Aaron, you got anything? Not for me. <laughs> you don't want Brent Seabrook talk? <laughs> I don't know. It's... Brent Seabrook's doghouse. <laughs> I, I go to Brent Seabrook's doghouse on the ringcast. We're coming up with all the good segments for uh, next year. It's going to be a nine-hour uh, ringcast every every week. Welcome to Yuri Sekach Jersey Corner. <laughs> oh man, sorry, Aaron. We didn't mean to interrupt you, but we we literally have nothing to talk. Yeah, about. no kidding. You, do you have anything else, uh, Aaron, about Seabrook? No, it's. <laughs> Um, yeah, nothing. Okay. Uh, Mario, you want to add anything? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the, 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 the contract, um, is, is, is bad. And the play on the ice is, is not the Seabrook that were, uh, is, is not the Brent Seabrook that, that, uh, is the one who earned that contract. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, earned, you know, air quotes, however you want to do it. But, um, uh, the the article that uh, that came out about you know living up to the deal or trying to be the best version of himself, um, you know it's 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 tough to see a guy that was so integral to the modern dynasty Blackhawks like Seabrook was, um, kind of overnight have this just just tur- like heel turn of the of the fan base. Because of this contract that, you know, what's he supposed to do? Say, no, I don't want that much money. I don't want that much, yeah. that, those many years. I don't want that security. Like, like <laughs> it's not his fault that he was offered that contract. Um, he should have taken less money for the team. Yeah, right. Home, hometown <laughs> discount, whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, even though just, ho- Yeah, even though his hometown is Vancouver. <laughs> right. It's just, it's just tough. It's just tough to see, um, you know, because he, he does seem like a very nice guy. Um, you know, he is so integral to the locker room. And I think that's one of the, one of the saving graces that, that he does have is his ability to, to be a leader on the team. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just, it's just so tough to, to have this anchor on the team of, you know, a guy who probably would be, you know, your, your number six, seven, but you got to play him as a three, four, um, just based on you know the how your how your defense is is configured or has been configured this year it might be a little bit different but you know if you if you limit his minutes you you limit his responsibilities you for a better for a lack of a better term you just kind of shelter him until you can do something with his contract it's really all you can do um you know he's he's not getting any younger he's i don't think he's going to be able to you know get any faster and you know, he's got a ton of miles on his body. It's just, it's kind of just the, you know, he's, he's over the hill of his career and, um, it, you know, it would be a shame to see him not finish it as a part of the Blackhawks, but I, you know, it's just every day that the, that the season goes on. It's just, it, I feel like it's just going to look less and less likely that on, you know, if it's not a buyout, it's going to be some sort of deal where the Blackhawks are just going to lose. Yeah you know, someone important or something important in a trade. So yeah, a lot yeah. more than Tevu Teravainen. Right. Right. Or, you know, or I don't even want to speculate who, or but you know, Mitchell. 
Someone, yeah, someone Dylan of down the line. God. <laughs> Aaron says, oh, God, in the background. Uh, can, I, can I add a question? Because I know that was our last one. Okay, yeah, might as well. So uh, this comes from one of our readers in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> going as anonymous. Is he at Leighton the Goldie on Twitter? It may be. It's not clear. But uh, he's asking, um, with the Blackhawks improving their defense this year and playing a lot closer games, is there going to be a lot less garbage time for Alex Dabrinkit to score 40 goals again? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, there could be a lot less garbage time for uh, Eric Gustafson to get 60 points again. I'll give you that one. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, in all seriousness, the defense is improved. Yeah. Um, are we going to see, you know, less high numbers? Because I don't think they're going to be scoring eight goals again on average, and they're not going to be giving up ten on average. Hopefully. No, I I I would expect the games to be a lot closer, um, and I would expect again the you know Kane to come a little more back down to earth. To bring it, maybe not. Maybe maybe I'll hit thirty five. You know, everyone I think's taking a little bit of a step back. It was kind of like a weird anomaly that so many guys all hit those career highs despite the team being so bad. So, John, you got anything on that? You want to? Nope. You don't want to entertain Aaron? <laughs> nope. <laughs> He's steaming. All right, I think we're good. Should I ask the Lance Boma question? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Um, I don't have any last plugs. I mean, we, we talked about Puckpedia. We talked about uh, puckhockey.com. Um, I don't have any last plugs. John, you got anything? I got nothing. Aaron? Just wanted to thank our unofficial sponsors, HelloFresh. Use the promo code YuriSekach to get 20% <laughs> off your first order. <laughs> Mario, anything? um yeah just just um reiterating the uh the the prospect tier piece that's going to come out later this afternoon or this this month rather um yeah we've we've been working on that we're going to try and coordinate a corresponding podcast to go a podcast episode to go to go with that piece because um i think everyone who worked on it uh has some uh some some opinions about some players that are different from the consensus so We'll, we'll try and get that together and hash that out. And uh, this month, um, I'm going to be in contact with the Rockford Ice Hogs and try and get um, head coach Derek King uh, on uh, on our site in some way, shape, or form, and um, cool. maybe a, maybe a player or two. So we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, that would be great. That's, and I'm really excited. I'm honestly, generally excited about uh, this the prospect ranking thing. The way we decided the way everyone came up with this idea to, to set this up. And I know you guys have been work, kind of working hard in the private uh, chat and uh, you know, Eric and I were kind of discussing how maybe we, we might release it in uh, tiers or something like that, but um, <clears throat> it's going to be really good. It's going to be entertaining. I'm really excited about what you guys did. So um, yeah, look out for that. Cause we're, we might space it out over the month to kind of, you know, give you guys some real serious depth, deep content in August and not, uh, you know, talking about, uh, if Brent Seabrook's a nice guy or if the uh, Brinkett's dog is cute. So <clears throat> anyway, um, uh, Mario, you done with uh, your uh, shout outs or plugs? 
Yeah, I mean, okay. I think I think JJ's brushing his teeth and ready to go to bed, so okay, we I should, uh, Sorry, we're should wrap it up here. We're keeping the other old man up. So. Anyway. I have not. I have yet to brush my teeth on a, on a I podcast, know, I but it's coming. It it's coming. <laughs> all right. So you can Keep find out all... another 15 minutes, you'll hear it. <laughs> you can find all of our comprehensive content at www.the-ring.com. Uh, you can find uh, us on the popular social media at The Rink Official, at The Rinkcast, uh, at Puck and Hostel, and at Jekyll, J-A-E-C-K-E-L, on the Twitters. Uh, you got Mario, is Mario underscore Tarabasi. You have Aaron, who is late in the Goldie. Uh, if you get a chance, please head over. Um, I hear about all these podcasts. It's got all these reviews and stuff like that. I don't. I know you're out there because I see the numbers. So head over there and rate and review us. Say something nice about us. And uh, maybe we'll even get you on the air, hopefully. And uh, that's uh, all I have to say. So uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to download this and support us. Until next episode, see you on the road.